Oh, I'll, I'll read them again. I'll just wait until we get this whole. <laughs> the Russians Russian, went to space first. The Cold War stuff out of the way. Because the Cold War is still not over, guys. It's frigid around here. Do we want to get into it? Let's do it. Ooh, what are we going to do? do? We're going to fuck, marry, kill some people. That's what we're going to do. Well, some people That's and a food product. <laughs> some people and a good product. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have Allison Brie, Brie Larson, and Brie as in the cheese. Cheese. Oh. Mm, it's the cheesiest. Cheese grummet. That's kind of funny that they all have. Well, you know what? Actually, what was interesting was I looked up Allison Brie because mm. I was pretty sure that she was the person I was thinking she was, but I also didn't want to be <laughs> like totally <laughs> off. And her parents' last name are. Where did it go? Oh, here you go. It's Sher- Shermerhorn. Come on, Annie. Let's go see the Shermerhorns tonight. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So I guess it's a really good thing that she liked Brie cheese and changed her name <laughs> to it. Yeah, right. What compels you to change it to Brie? Well, actually, her middle name is Brie. Oh, I thought maybe she had like a fuck Mary kill experience like I'm having right now. <laughs> She's like, you know, you know, it would be great. She seems so relatable as that warm, cuddly wrestler. I, I just thought maybe we had more in common. <laughs> I know her like originally from Mad yeah, Men. Totally. Yeah. But. What Wikipedia told me is that she, one of her first television roles was Nina, a novice hairdresser on Hannah Montana. Uh-uh. <laughs> huh. That's funny. But yeah, her glow is her uh, most recent thing. And then have you seen the movie The Little Hours? No, I have not, actually. I think it's on like a list somewhere, but I have not seen that. It's got Aubrey Plaza, Dave Franco, who actually is her spouse i did not know that god you've got to see this movie it's so absurd it's got john c Riley in it (laughs) the dude from like days of thunder and like yeah like everything basically if you want to see if you want to kind of have a barometer if a movie's going to be possibly pretty good or not if that actor is in it your bets are pretty good right yeah yeah, he's one of those like unsung heroes he's kind of a weird looking dude but he's an incredible actor glue yeah he's yeah yeah yeah, he, like everything he like shows up in usually ends up being really yeah, he, good. Yeah, he yeah, for sure. for sure. Except for apparently the uh, Holmes and Watson that oh, just came out. I mean, <laughs> bummer. It's not his fault. That's the main. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that was just a shit script. That's what I've been hearing. Oh, that sucks. I was kind of interested in seeing it, but. Uh... Yeah. yeah, apparently all the funny bits are in the uh, trailer, oh. so save yourself the time. Watch the trailer. <laughs> Watch the tra- Oh, bummer. <laughs> And then Brie Larson, I couldn't place her. And then I was like, oh, she was, well, Tanya actually thought of it first. She was in United States of Terror with Tony Collette, which was a fucking great show. It only lasted like a handful of years, but it was about a, a mother with schizophrenia and the family choosing to work around it. And yeah. It was really kind of funny. But in it, when I saw her picture, when Julie pulled her up, I went, oh, it's the girl that was making extra cash on the side by sitting on balloons and cakes and shit on the internet. And dudes were saying, nobody can figure out why she was living high on the hog. <laughs> like, fuck this. <laughs> but she actually is what? In the Captain Marvel movie? Mm-hmm. 
that that she, her most she is going to be role. Captain Marvel in the movie that's coming. Oh, out she next is year. Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. Okay, Captain Marvel. I'm not versed. in the uh, Marvel universe. Captain Marvel. She's basically like if you're familiar with like Green Lantern from the DC universe. Basically, they're like super powered space police, essentially. Oh, okay. So basically, certain people are born with this ability. I think it's called like cosmic energy or something like that. And they basically are super powered beings that just randomly pop up throughout the universe. So this agency goes around and collects these people off of different planets that are super powered. Oh, okay. And they basically just hire them on to be space police. What is her power? Or do they all have the same power? Or do they have different unique? They all kind of have the same power. They kind of tap into, like, again, this cosmic energy that gives them ultimate power. Like, they're already super powered, kind of like Captain America kind of thing, where they're really strong, they're really fit, they're really fast. But then they can tap into this cosmic energy and they become even more overpowered. And they basically are stronger than most everything in the universe. That's cool. And it has Jude Law in it. Yeah, <laughs> Jude Law's going to be in it. Yeah, basically, she's just going to be the ultimate kill everything in Marvel Universe coming up. So She's going to be a badass chick. Yeah. So is she like Dr. Manhattan? Yeah, like doesn't have the ability to alter reality, but basically is just that OP compared to everyone else around her. Okay. OP being overpowered. I feel like I knew something. <laughs> so they would be almost on par. Uh, yeah, because Dr. Manhattan is basically just... Is supposed to be a god essentially because he can alter the world around him to however he wants okay captain marvel she's just super powered stronger than anything you can experience kind of thing that's similar cool. on on par that they're untouchable by us mortals that's lame people <laughs> so we we've explained who allison brie is and brie larson and Brie the Cheese. How would you explain Brie the Cheese? Yes, please. A- please describe <laughs> Brie the Cheese. What is their role in your life? It's creamy. Brie the Cheese. Well, I know it's a French cheese, but let me look. Brie is a soft cow's milk cheese named after Brie, the French region from which it originated. Ooh. It is pale in color with a slightly grayish tin under the rind of white mold. The rind is typically eaten with its flavors depending upon the ingredients used and manufactured in the environment. That is according to Wikipedia. Hmm. Thank you for that, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, donate some money to them because they were just having a, a donation drive last month. So give them some oh, money because we all use them. I, yeah, I fucking love Wikipedia. Give them your cha-ching. Yeah, yeah I, I threw like 20 bucks and I'm like, here, thank you for <laughs> being a resource that I use constantly. That's cool. Right? Say a little thank you. Yep. Clean a national park toilet and fucking donate some money to Wikipedia. <laughs> this is a rough one because I really like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we can all agree here that we fucking love cheese. Cheese is I fucking great. love cheese. I don't know if I want to fuck cheese. First off, it sounds like a lot of work with no reward. It sounds like, you know, it sounds warm. and It sounds like the daily rind. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get past that ride, it's all soft on the inside. (laughs) I mean, I could eat it, but what's in it for me? (laughs) You get to eat it. (laughs) Right? A tummy ache. Well, I'm going to have to say this is is a hard one. Fuck, Mary kill wise. Because I think I'm going to have to marry Allison Brie on the multiple boning philosophy that I have of the marriage. (laughs) Because she's really fucking funny, incredibly smart, and damn good looking. Yep. As for the fuck, I kind of feel like Brie Larson is incredibly young, even though she is only 10 years younger than me. <laughs> That's still <laughs> incredibly young. <laughs> I think when you're worth $10 million, you're available. I do agree. Um, I'm not really like... I mean, not under like NAMBLA standards, <laughs> but like... <laughs> Just make that clear. I'm like, she she is adorable. 
However, the 10 million for a fuck is not really, it's not going to really help me out. What am I going to get out of that? Just for, you know, a one night stand. So I may as well just fuck the Brie Cheese and unfortunately kill her because apparently she's out to save the world and I'm kind of an asshole, so she's probably not going to like me anyways. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to kill Brie Larson. Fuck Brie Cheese because I'm French and I love me some fucking cheese and marry Alison Brie on multiple bonings. <laughs> In it for the long game. What about you, Tanya? I'm my mouth's agape. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to react right now. This has been like marriage counseling. I've learned a lot about my wife. <laughs> I like cheese. I can't help it. I just uh, i i have to i have to kill the cheese because it's just you know I don't know. I mean, you're not, you're not gonna cut the cheese. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Oh my god! We'll play that twice just to make sure it sinks in for everyone. Oh, yeah. this is when Tanya just backed out of this <laughs> podcast forever. <laughs> I'm done with the shit. I'm out. <laughs> Back it up. Oh Oh, it's the worst. I struggle with these so much. (laughs) (laughs) But I was happy to see that there were some chicks for a change. You know, I was like, hey. But then I was like, geez, that's no benefit for me at all. I mean, maybe if I had twig and berries for a day and I wanted to skip the pie and try cheese or something, I guess. I don't know. Just throw in the microwave for 30 seconds, then go to town. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically just American pie, the French edition. (laughs) <laughs> French edition. <laughs> are, are you are you saying I'm Jason Biggs? Well, maybe you're you're oh, fucking well, cheese. I mean, so well, I mean his wife's pretty hot, so it's not a bad thing. <laughs> maybe you're fucking cheese. But then you know, on the other hand, if you had like a you know, I, when I think of it, I think of like the little small rinds. But maybe you can get it in like the big wheels. And if you oh, I'm thinking nice Daffin That's like a full body experience. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that was a very unsettling mental image I just had. (laughs) Somebody going to town on a wheel of cheese. I'm thinking of fromage daffinois. Ooh, daffinois. Which is the The best best brie cheese. That's what I'm fucking. Yeah, no, yeah, fromage daffinois. That is like the best brie out there. Listen to you guys. There are two incredibly hot chicks worth $10 million a piece. (laughs) We're talking about fucking cheese. Very from Mad Men because she put up with fucking Peter shit. And and the other girl, she's hot, but she's kind of young. And I'm not really looking for youngins. So we'll just be a fuck. (laughs) Side note when I left in massachusetts they were like wanted to do something for me and they were like can we get you a cake i was like no i don't really like cake how about we just have cheese instead and they got me a whole fucking giant wheel of daffinois and i was like oh Oh. my god my life is complete (laughs) you guys happy now (laughs) i'm literally having an orgasm over fucking cheese Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. need i remind you two incredibly hot girls (laughs) girls you're mine each shoulder's mm. for you. Here you go. I hey, mean, we're, we're talking about fucking it, not marrying it. He's like, wait a minute, bitch. You don't get I'm, to I'm keep having a, a one-night stand with this cheese. <laughs> he was like, I know that cheese is going to have one life. Yep. <laughs> and it's going to be me fucking it. In my belly. <laughs> what, what's your take, Tyler? What's your official uh, selection? I am going to actually marry uh, Allison Brie because I watched Community many, many years ago, and she's a character in that. And 
She's fucking funny. What's Community? It's a comedy series. It's about like a bunch of people at community college. It's got uh, it's oh. got Donald Glover. I didn't watch that, but I heard everybody hated Chevy Chase on. That. <laughs> yeah, he, apparently he was like the worst in it. But like, he's really <laughs> funny to show. But like, he was the worst on set. But yeah, it has Donald Glover back when he was still young. Gillian Jacobs, Joe McHale, again Chevy Chase, Danny Pudi, John Oliver. Oh wow! I need I need to see this. Oh yeah, it's on it's on Hulu. It's on, it's a fucking oh, okay. great show up until like the last season. But everything before that's really great. But the last season, a lot of the cast had left, so like they kind of improvised. Yeah. And it just did yeah. not work out. Uh, yeah, we gotta you gotta pinch it off like a turd, right? Yep. You gotta know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to pinch them off like a turd. You better count your blessings when you're sitting on the crapper. You time enough for wiping when the deed is done. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. I'm glad I asked. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I've had the hugest crush on her since those days. So I'm going to marry Alison Brie, even though she is married to uh, she's, Dave Franco. Yeah, she's married Franco. He's the better looking Franco, though. Yeah, but wasn't he also the, the touchy, gropey kind of Franco? No, that was James. Oh, it was James? Okay. So I was like, oh, buddy. No, it's James. But he's in that movie with her, and so she loves him enough to work with okay. him. <laughs> that movie Julie was talking about earlier with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. And in that movie, he's like running from what is what's going on with him, Julie? He like was fucking the queen, and then the king found out, and so he was running from for his life as you will do and they stashed him in this somebody stashed him at this nunnery john c Riley. oh that's right that's right he pretended to be a mute that he couldn't yeah speak. he pretended to be a mute <laughs> and long story short of it every nun there was taken around with him i mean the girls were fucking this guy like nobody's business <laughs> 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 <So it's> hysterical <laughs> nice so you are marrying allison brie and then i'm going to fuck brie larson because <gasps> I mean, how many chances am I going to get to fuck a superhero? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. I mean... Yeah. And, I, you know, I, I like her work, so she'd be cool to have pillow talk with. And then I'm going to have to, unfortunately, kill Cheese. As much as I talked about fucking it earlier, it is, uh, it's going to take... Man, I'm fucking... She's like, I'm sticking by that bucket. That <laughs> is definitely... Mm, that was worth my last day of employment. <laughs> <laughs> but Tyler... Tyler's younger than me, so he doesn't. So it's not as. Julie saw uh, her age and like immediately <laughs> was like, "Oh my god, she's too young. I can't do that." I was like, "These fuckberry kills are hard, man." <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! We watched another bad movie last night, Ooh. but it was like a good bad movie. Ooh, oh my better. god, it was pretty pretty weird. What'd you watch? It was really fucking weird. The lobster. Have you seen oh, that? Oh, yeah, I, saw, I have seen that, yeah. I saw it a while ago. We're slow. I don't know when it came out. Probably... Yeah, I think it came out like 2017 or something like that. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I was like, well, this is an interesting concept. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, what the fuck? This is, this is wrong. I, I was laughing until she fucking kicked the dog to death. And then I yeah. was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> it's a really right? all over the place You killed movie. my brother. <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tanya fell asleep during the movie, of course. Yeah. Uh, like, her, that's her thing. I mean, sleep is very and, tempting. And it was raining. I I got through enough of it. I, I, got, I watched more of this movie than I did the other movie, which did play a part in my falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs>
But do you think he, he blinded himself, Tyler? I think he ditched her. That's the feeling I got. See, that's what I was worried about. Was yeah, because like, it was oh, a no. long, long, a long take a of long her just time. sitting there. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. But I told Tanya, <laughs> I was like, why couldn't they have just worked harder on finding something else they had in common? Yeah. Besides just being short-sighted. <laughs> the, the thing I remember from it was like, he had a lot of just indecision problems. And yeah. that's kind of what led him to that situation. That's kind of how I read it. Then him like being indecisive about them and then just running off. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was bummed because I was like, I, I want him to go back to the table blind. But then I told Tanya, I was like, well, I mean, in all honesty, one of them should remain unblind and just break the rules because... Right, that's what the nosebleeders did. Yeah. Yeah. And all they got was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> that was their punishment. Yep. For, that was pretty for funny. people with miscommunications, they give them a kid. <laughs> Oh, that was great. Sounds pretty great to me. Arguments that couldn't be solved and miscommunications. That was the solution. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed the hardest when the chick from Extras, like, really was like, man, it's my last day here. I'm fucking grasping at straws. Look, this is my room number. This is what's going down. This is what I'm available to do. If you want to come by, you come. If you don't, I'm jumping out my window. And she jumps out her window and doesn't die. Because she jumped yeah. from the first floor. And she's all... <laughs> what is wrong with people? But I laughed at that shit because I pretty much feel like we're still very thin veneer. <laughs> yeah. We're getting there, folks. <laughs> right? Someone's steady. But on the plus side, it's kind of bringing out really cool things, too, because people are, like, volunteering to, like, come and help take care of the parks, you know, which I think is a good idea because as it was pointed out, it's liberals that are kind of most affected by the shutdown. Yeah. And I think there's some quasi-validity to that statement as most things that come out of his mouth. But what it's done is, you know, like down in Joshua Tree and things like that, people are working fucking six, seven, eight-hour days. People are fucking putting their money where their mouth is and... You know, that's oh, the yeah. best of liberals, so. Yep. It's fucked up. So yep. there's, it's it's good, but boy, they're testing the boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting tired of all this winning. This just in, January 21st update, 2019 shutdown, people are dicks and have started cutting the trees down in Joshua Tree National Park. So thanks, assholes. Yeah. I don't. I um, let me see. I had that article actually. I don't know if you guys even saw that 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 was even going on, which concerns me us a lot. You know, really here in California because we have so many parks. Yeah, and they need they need to be maintained because you know fire hazards. <laughs> yeah, in particular, we have an influx of tourism that I think other states unfortunately don't get to have the same experience of and. I had a Groupon for Yosemite and I called, you know, to schedule it, to use it. On the recording, they were like, we assure you that Yosemite is open and it will remain open during the shutdown. So I don't know how they're doing that. A very overwhelmed skeleton crew and a handful of volunteers. But I think people live there oh, yeah. Yeah. more yeah, most, than at other parks. Yeah, so. cause it, because it's location, a lot of the people that work there live on site. I remember because... You know, when I when I go to visit, you drive by and you see where the employee housing is. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah. Being able to live in Yosemite would be fucking rad. Right? That wouldn't suck. You know what did suck, though, is like we thought about going and I looked at the weather and it was like 17 degrees out. And I was like, "Ooh, that's freezing. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> Maybe I don't want to go right now. I always liked going Yosemite in the winter because that's like the time when nobody yeah. else is there. <laughs> Nobody's there and it's like snowy and kind of cold. So you experience like an actual winter, but you can leave when you're done. <laughs> yeah. And they, they, they keep the roads cleared of um, snow and yeah. whatnot. So it's like you can still get around. There's and only the, the bus like, system still so runs. It looks like on the first shutdown, some people went to the grocery store and bought a thousand trash bags and 200 rolls of toilet paper, bleach, and disinfectant spray. Says so then I went to the park and I started cleaning the pit toilets and collecting the trash. I was worried that if the toilets got too dirty, people would stop using them and start going outdoors behind the rocks. It's just crazy. It said soon, soon thereafter, the other people locally who lived in the area of Joshua Tree began a helping with the cleanup. This is a climber. Mm. That's cool. The thing that bugs me about living so close to a state park here is you see so many people that park on the outside and you like just walk in. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Like I have to do that sometimes too because you know certain situations. But you see the repeat people do it all the time. Just pay the hundred bucks, dude. Just pay the hundred bucks. I mean, yeah. think about how many Starbucks you bought in the last three months. I just paid for but it. But I need my venti latte. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Priorities, I man. I drink my coffee black. I don't have any patience for that shit. <laughs> I drink my coffee with Bailey's. Make it old. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Yeah, I don't drink coffee either. <laughs> I like my coffee like I like my women, big and black. Mm. <laughs> I always say black and Wait bitter. Wait a minute. <laughs> Black and bitter. <laughs> White and sweet. Mm. This is one of the con <laughs> one of the consequences of the US government's shutdowns over President Donald Trump's demand for billions of dollars to a border wall with Mexico is that the national parks are running with only a tiny fraction of their usual staff, leaving visitors with few services and little supervision, which is kind of the scary thing. Is like grown ass adults are like Yay, we can misbehave. It's not even really young people per se. It's just people acting like fucking fools. Yeah. yeah. Not real fools, which young people are. <laughs> yep. It says leaving visitors with few services and little supervision. As garbage piles up and toilets overflow, volunteers have stepped in to try to keep the parks clean and stop unruly visitors from damaging the fragile ecosystem, which is, you know, why these parks are set aside. Not so you can act like an animal. It's so we can protect these ecosystems, which if you haven't noticed are falling apart <laughs> all over the place oh, when yeah. they're not protected. So I saw one article that that said they were using what did it say it was like they were using the entrance fee hold on the scary thing is is that people are coming in and like nobody's even collecting the fees there's nobody there employed to collect the fees for some of these yeah. parks so it's having a very advert it's a really counterproductive thing to do <laughs> because you're going to end up having to put more money into these infrastructures it doesn't make any sense yeah <laughs> a lot of the reality doesn't make any sense anymore mm. right this article says National Park Service to use entry fees to tackle shutdown-related issues, which they're saying may be illegal. But they said that park managers will be permitted to bring on additional staff to clean restrooms, haul trash, patrol the parks in open areas that have been shut down for more than two weeks due to the budget impasse. So they're saying that they can collect the fees and essentially they're going to use 
use the fees to offset these costs. Yeah, counterbalance. You know, toilet paper and paper towels and cleaning supplies and trash bags. Basic sanitation. This is kind of a test because when Barack Obama was in office and there was a shutdown, there was a huge backlash from everybody because the residents in the area were like, look, when you do this, because his decision was to shut the parks down to keep this from happening because he's a good papa (laughs) and knows that we can't behave ourselves. (laughs) But he closed them down. But the side effect or the symptom to that was, was that the small mom and pop restaurants and things like that in the area ended up suffering. And so there's some validity to that. You know, just like Julie said, we had arrangements to go to Yosemite and and we were like, well, fuck, the park is closed. How is that going to work out? Yeah. But it's not close. But basically, it works out fine. Just take a shit next to a rock and kill hundreds of years of <laughs> ecosystem. <laughs> it's like that Simpson episode with the butterfly effect where he, he has the time travel toaster and he goes back in time and he like steps on <laughs> yep. something and it just changes yep. like <laughs> the evolution of everything. It's like, ah! And he goes back further. He just yep. keeps fucking up. It's funny. Thing I learned, you know, the, the rule of threes, uh-huh. that apparently also applies to survival. Oh, really? So the rule of threes is a quick reference for how long you can generally stay alive in a survival emergency. Normally it contains the following. Three minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking uh, like, he, about our sex life? That <laughs> cheese, <laughs> apparently. Yeah. It's okay. You can watch. I, <laughs> so oh, yeah. uh, normally, like in these situations, you can survive three minutes of severe bleeding or three minutes without breathable air, or three minutes in icy water. You can survive three hours in harsh environments, extreme heat or cold. You can survive three days without drinkable water, and you can survive three weeks without edible food. That's amazing. So three is the magic number. Yeah, so three is, that's, that's apparently where the originally the rule of threes came by. Then people adopted that to the whole uh, celebrities dying in threes and blah, 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 and all that other stuff. Right, right, Everything's, everything happens in threes. Mm. Well, like in design, the rule of thirds. Yeah. Well, let me Google the rule of thirds. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> from for like photography, where you kind of like you don't put the subject you want like right in the center. You put it off in the one uh, either one third or two thirds in the frame. Yeah, the rule of third. It's just where your eye is naturally drawn for some reason. Like you're not really gonna look at the center of something. I was trying to see if yeah. this had a good rule of thirds. Is a rule of thumb or guidance which. If applies to the process of composing visual images such as designs, film, and paintings. But there's also the... I don't know, it just looks more appealing for whatever. Is this the same as the golden rule? No, that's the other one I was thinking And there's a golden hour, too. What are these things? The golden hours in cinema, it's the hour after uh, sunset when, like, the lighting is beautiful and, like, cinematographers just basically jerk off all over that concept. Right. When I was in Hollywood, you, like spent the whole day setting up to be ready to go right when that happened. Yep. Yeah, so right <laughs> oh, after sunset, you have like a little bit of time when every everything is just lit beautifully and then that's it. <laughs> and then what's the golden rule? Well, real quick, what it says about the rule of thirds in the visual world, proponents of this technique claim that aligning the subject with these points creates more tension, energy, and interest in the composition than simply centering a subject. And the golden rule, it's like a, think of a... So it's a common mathematical ratio found in nature that can be used creating pleasing natural looking compositions in your design work. It's called the golden rule, although it's also known as the golden mean. If you look at the diagram that I'm going to send you, it looks like a graph, but if you connect it, it actually ends up looking like 
kind of like a snail shell. So if you connect it. Oh, so kind of like that was the Fibonacci sequence or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's what it is. No, that's totally what it was. I would have never have retained that. <laughs> <laughs> if you remove this square from the rectangle, you'll be left with another smaller rectangle. So if it this could continue infinitely like Fibonacci's numbers, which work in reverse. But I don't understand who fucking thought this was a good idea. Like where... Who was high and was like, hey, <laughs> hey guys, I got this great idea. But if you go, if you click that link, you can see the little snail shell, essentially. That's crazy. Yeah, the snail shell. It's believed that the golden ratio has been in use for at least 4,000 years in human art and design. However, it may have been even longer. Some people argue that the ancient Egyptians used it to build the pyramids. Neat. That's what I always think of as a triangle. So when he started talking about threes, that's that's what I concluded because like i know like in architecture like a triangle is the strongest shape that you can have but you know looking at the last supper split like this is pretty fucking crazy yeah also crazy we saw the last supper when we were in italy we saw a last supper but we didn't see this last supper but it was on a um crane system because actually and i guess this just happened again recently they had a huge flood in italy so the water levels they rose like 10 feet or something in that area in certain areas. Jeez. Yeah, 10 feet in some, but a lot inside buildings, a lot of the water level hit at least six feet. So they had all these amazing freaking artists, The Last Supper, that, you know, that quality of painting in, in all these buildings, and they all got water damaged at a certain level. So because this is well-respected, iconic, diplomatic meeting of people. At this one church, we went to so many churches, I don't know, I would, I'm surprised I didn't blow up walking in. But, <laughs> Catch fire uh, as you walk they, in. <laughs> right? Hell hath no fury like a church and Julie. You literally found yourself going, God, another fucking Jesus 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 But what they did was they put the painting on like a chain lift. So they were able to essentially raise this painting because it's a huge, huge painting. So they were able to raise the painting from, you know, its location on the wall up to a safer level. It's on a pulley system. Yeah, it was really, it was a trip. I'll have to uh, post one of the pictures from our trip on the podcast. But those are good rules to know. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he's friends with a retired detective who worked in Manhattan and they have very interesting conversations as one might suspect. And one of the things they they end up talking about a lot of nautical things, this gentleman, he used to be in the Navy and my friend goes, do you know why sailors wear bell bottoms? And I was like, yeah, it's so they can use them as a flotation device. They And it'll work with normal pants too. You just won't have as much buoyancy, but they're made like that. So they can take them off, whip them over their head, trap the air and tie off the legs. And it gives them a flotation device if they have to evacuate their ship. But um, that's the day you don't want to skid your pants and have to use it for a flotation device. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. That's not all he's lost. But so, so th- that's an interesting set of, of rules of three. Do you think you could read them real <coughs> quick? 
Let me clear the old esophagus from lung butter. He's like, you fucking ass. (laughs) (laughs) No, there there was like legit something hanging out there, so I had to get it out of the way. So normally in situations, you can survive three minutes of severe bleeding or three minutes without breathable air or three minutes in icy water. You can also survive three hours in harsh environments in extreme heat or cold. You can survive three days without drinkable water and you can survive three weeks without edible food. It's amazing. Edible food. Edible food. I mean, what you if, can eat stuff. What if you have food that's edible. not edible? I don't know, dirt. <laughs> <laughs> nom, nom, nom. Well, I'm, I'm going to eat it. God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. <laughs> it's got minerals. Yep. Um, I find it really hard to believe that you could. It, I think I would die sooner without three, you know, what does it say? You can survive three minutes without breathable air. I don't think yeah. I'd make it that long. That seems like a long time. I think it's it, that's when you start getting irreparable brain damage. Oh, kind is of that thing. what's wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> well, I always did try to hold my breath for a long time when I was a kid. Yep. <laughs> is that what happens when you do whippets? Yes, kids. <laughs> did you see what was that Will Smith astronaut thing you had me watch, Julie? Uh, One Strange Rock. Did you get a chance to watch that, Tyler? Oh, I have not, unfortunately. Oh, that is so good. It's I don't fall super asleep through that cool. shit. That shit's awesome. That was awesome. Nice. But there, the reason why I brought it up was there's a, one of the astronauts that uh, spoke in it was in a situation where he was doing a spacewalk. I don't know if that's what it's called, if they're just on site. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. it is. Uh, he was on a spacewalk. His name is Chris Hadfield. And he got this sharp pain in his eye. And as everyone knows, when you get a sharp pain in your eye, the first thing it does is it wants to flush the eye out. So he ended up forming a tear. But as Tyler kind of mentioned, the importance of water <laughs> in space and how it works. <laughs> Gravity, um, yeah. Instead of going down, it became bigger. It would enlarge. So he had this like bulbous. If you have it, if you tear up in space, you have no gravity to pull that tear away from your eye. Like here on the planet, yeah, pushes it down. You know, it 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 it'll drip down your face. It pulled over his eye, and it stayed centered there because water is super sticky. Yeah, like surface tension. So it didn't leave his body. It stayed attached to his eye, and then. As it began to increase and enlarge in size, once it when it got to the bridge of his nose, it split. So then both of his eyes were like that. He's like, "Oh fuck, I can't see anything." He's all, uh, "NASA, uh, I can't see." <laughs> we have a problem. He literally said, "Houston, I have a problem," and he kind of laughed when he said it. And they said, "Your suit is possibly contaminated. You have to evacuate your suit." So what that means is there's no oxygen. So he had to flush out his suit, which. There's the valve on the side of his helmet. So he had to flush his suit by opening said valve and releasing all the oxygen. Jeez. In those, this three-minute time period that you're referring to is going through the Rolodex in his head and comes to realize that it's the film on the inside of the helmet that keeps it from... Like the anti-fog. The anti-fog. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like cat crap or you know product like that that you use when you're skiing or whatever. You put that on the inside, it keeps it from fogging up. So his anti-fog came loose off of the helmet and got in his eye. And that's what started this. When he realized that's what it was, he knew he could turn the oxygen back on. But three minutes. That's three minutes of brain work brain work <laughs> yeah that uh, yeah the show is really cool so also i did find out you can watch it on nat geo in the episodes or you can watch it on hulu and they combined the whole into like one season into one like big long episode okay. but i still don't think i could make it without three minutes of 
breathable air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have any air. He didn't even have breathable air. He just had no air. Yeah. 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 Well, to be starved of that completely, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta figure it's, it's equivalent to drowning, except for, you know, with drowning, there's stuff to inhale, and space, there's nothing to inhale. Yeah. Yeah. That makes my brain hurt. <laughs> science! Yeah, I think of science. It also, what was interesting, you'll have to watch it and we'll have to, like, you know, talk about it a little bit more. But one thing that was interesting is our atmosphere has a perfect mix of 20.95% oxygen. Mm. And, like, that's all the air that our planet has. Yeah. With all all these life forms and shit. And it's a lot of that's, nitrogen. <laughs> yeah. more. There's 78% nitrogen, 78.09% nitrogen, which I thought was pretty crazy because, I mean, as humans... We like oxygen. Yeah. If I'm in a spacesuit draining out my oxygen, that puts me in panic mode. But to think there's only 20.95% oxygen yeah. in our atmosphere. Our lungs are just filtering out the good parts of the air. Yeah. So we're all stars planets at one point then? Because that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to die out and we're just going to be a ball of fire, right? Yeah. The Basically what will happen in billions of years, our sun will expand to a, you know, be a red dwarf, essentially. And so as, as, as it uses up its usable fuel, it expands further and further out as it creates. Because right now, m the sun is mainly just a lot of hydrogen. And that's all just hydrogen fusing and then becoming heavier elements like oxygen and whatnot and helium. Helium being the, big, the second biggest one. And th as those things get made, it keeps pushing out further because all the stuff kind of combines, becomes heavier elements and pushes the lighter gases out. So eventually our planet will be engulfed in the sun as it expands and dies. Oh, we're going to get and, sucked um, in. So it, we're not going to become a star. And we're nitrogen, so we don't have the hydrogen. So that wouldn't make us a star. Yeah, well, well, well the thing is, so all like life that you know and everything you see is made up of the heavier elements that is created in these stars. So basically it's kind of recycling what it's already been made. So like the atoms in your left hand compared to your right hand probably came from two different stars. But all these elements were forged in stars, and you know, now we're kind of returning back to it kind of thing. So when our star dies... We're just going to go back where we came from, because we are all stardust. Yeah, basically. We may not... You know, all the atoms in our body obviously didn't come from the same spot, but it'll be returned to a star and then used to do other things. What I thought was interesting, I was listening to Houston, we have a podcast. Yeah, which thank you, by the way, that's been a new fun addition to my playlist. Isn't that yeah, great? Yeah. And like I said, I don't think there's been an episode where I'm like, eh. <laughs> but the thing I learned was that they've sent a probe. The probe was launched August 12th, 2018. They sent a probe to the sun to investigate more. It says it's going to be the closest approach to the sun so they can essentially get more information about the sun. And I believe I'm remembering this correctly. They said that the sun is like a fire in reverse mm. and the hottest heat, that sounds weird to say, the hottest heat is actually on the outside. And the closer you go into the sun, like the intensity gets smaller. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but they're gonna- How would that be reverse? I'm only because I'm trying to use my brain. Wouldn't wouldn't the sun wouldn't the sun be blue? The basically what what sh the woman was describing. Think about like when you hold your hand over a fire. If you're about a foot away from the the logs that are burning, the heat isn't that intense. But when you put your hand down, like essentially right on top of the logs, you're going to burn your hand a lot faster because the intensity is just out of control because that's the center of it. Yeah, basically all that. 
all that heat is essentially just shooting outwards from the center, and so it's it's yeah. expanding it at a higher. Like, I think it's just like a higher energy, so that's why it's that's why it's so, so the, much hotter. The sun is in reverse of that, essentially. Which is funny because you um, wouldn't think that. <laughs> yeah, from what this link I'm sending right now, it is really hot in the core. But it does have a radiation, a radiative effect of stuff coming out. But it was, it's funny because I was re-listening to an old podcast that is now uh, no longer with us called Caustic Soda. And they kind of just touch on like really morbid stuff. But uh, they, I was just listening to an episode the other day about the sun. Oh, cool. And uh, in this picture, you can see the various spots of the sun and the various everything. But then the, you know, the photosphere being the outermost layer is like 600 degrees Kelvin. And then uh, about like the second layer in the uh, radiative zone is 2,100,000 Kelvin. And then inside it's 100 and some ridiculous number (laughs) so yeah so it's like that's kind of weird that's interesting so it must she must have been describing the atmosphere is like ridiculously hot in comparisons to like our atmosphere yeah well we're not the sun (laughs) what about the solar probe i know you you went to the facility there where the solar yeah yeah worked on right (laughs) Parker Solar Probe is also, you know, another achievement. It's getting closer to the sun than any spacecraft has ever been before. It's going to conduct um, a series of orbits trying to peer into the sun's atmosphere, this thing called the corona, which is full of mysteries. The corona is actually hotter than the surface of the sun, which is really bizarre. It's like a campfire that is hotter the further away you get from it than if you had like stuck your hand in it. And that's important because stuff is happening in the corona that affects Earth. Um, These Mm -hmm. things called coronal mass ejections, big explosions of energetic particles that can come to Earth, uh, interact with our atmosphere and cause the auroras, they can interfere with spacecraft, and they can even induce currents in Earth's surface that could interfere with our electric grid. So it's an important thing to study and we're just getting our first close look at it. Yeah, the sun is is a crazy thing it's like you know it makes up 99 percent of the mass of our our solar system so well this says uh this is from nasa hold on send this to you guys the sun's atmosphere is hotter than the sun's surface that's what she was that was that's what she was speaking of. okay so that makes so sense she's saying that the sun's atmosphere is hotter so this is the only way that this is the only probe that's going to allow us to essentially get close enough because it is essentially a fire in reverse. So think about we're going to be sticking this probe directly on the burning coals of our fire, but it's just farther away from the sun. Does that make sense? Is this the sun in this photo? The link that I sent you, actually, that does not look like the sun. But Yeah, it's, it's, it's done through some kind of filter obviously yeah i was gonna say i don't kind of looks like the world well i only ask that because in what i understand about heat is that it's blue when it's hottest or did i make that up well a blue flame is is a more concentrate that has to do i believe with the oxygen levels though oh that makes sense you know when i think of a blue flamer (laughs) (laughs) nice it says okay why why is the flame blue? This is due to the incandescence of the very fine soot particles that are produced in the flames. So with increasing oxygen supply, the less black body radiating soot is produced due to a more complete combustion and the reaction creates enough energy to excite ionized gas molecules in the flame leading to a blue flame appearance. Okay. So if we're in space, like we were saying, our atmosphere only has 20.9% oxygen in our atmosphere mm-hmm. and there's no oxygen in mm-hmm. space. So that would be why you're not seeing 
a big blue ball of <laughs> blue. <laughs> Boy, we're so adolescent. Uh, <laughs> what was, what was the, the secret to your success in life? We were really immature. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. But that's why we don't have a burning blue ball in the sky. And if you want to go with um, the Bible verse that they read during the Apollo 8 lunar orbit, God must not have said, I would like to have blue balls. <laughs> I don't remember that passage. <laughs> oh my God. But that's another thing that's cool about the Houston We Have a Podcast is he's going back through like all the Apollo missions. And I didn't know... Like, I mean, you know about Apollo 13 because Tom Hanks was in it, but <laughs> like all the other Apollo missions, the one that orbited the moon, that was like almost more important than us landing on the moon because without that mission, we wouldn't have ever landed on the moon and we wouldn't have beat Russia to space. So that was kind of interesting. Well, they beat us to space. We beat them to the moon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But they actually, I guess, just gave up on trying to send humans after we, well, Russia was first in space. They sent like tortoises. And, yeah, they and sent animals. a dog. They, they, they were the first to send uh, people into space as well. But we were the first to orbit the moon. Or orbit and land. And that was the, the space race, essentially, was who who would land first. Mm -hmm. Tyler, can I have you read those uh, heat statistics, the temperature again? All right. So starting from the outermost and working our way inward, there's the photosphere, which is 5,700-odd degrees Kelvin. Then going down one layer, we enter the convection zone, which is a little less than 2 million degrees Kelvin. And then further in, we hit the radiative zone, which ranges from uh, 7 million to 2 million degrees Kelvin. And then at the very core, the temperature reaches 1.57 million Kelvin. That is That's a lot of Kelvins. Hot, hot as fuck. Basically, if, if, if you were just... Anywhere near that thing exposed, you would just be atomized instantly. Right? You wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah you just, would... it'd just be, it'd be a little, and that was it. Right? <laughs> and like all your atoms are gone. That was awesome. This video of the, on this link though, go to the links below to watch cool solar flares. I was gonna say, that was one thing they were talking about on the Caustic Soda podcast, the sun episode, was the perils of solar flares and then us getting hit by those and then how basically if we were to ever get like a direct shot of a solar flare, basically our whole electrical everything would explode and we'd be basically ruined for a decade because we don't have backups to all the right. transformers and generators and things that we have. So if all that was just fried initially, that's it. Like, we have to rebuild it. And our electrical grid would be gone. Society, we'd basically just take a huge step backwards. We'd take, you know, 100 years step backwards. The Kardashians would not <laughs> and survive. And as we've seen, that basically means everybody's shitting next to rocks at national parks or your car. <laughs> yeah, we'd be starving. And because, you know, we, we lose our infrastructure to transport food around and transport water. And all the basic essentials of life would just... You know, unless you had your own garden plot going, you're going to be pretty much fucked. Right. Or, you know, a shit ton of canned food. We'd have to rebuild our entire electrical grid from the ground up again. That's crazy. So. That would that would be really crazy. Yeah. Basically, everything we have would just 
go to shit and that'd be that. Yeah, we're kind of like reliant too much on technology at this point yep. for something of that nature to happen. But the likelihood of something like that happening, I would say, isn't that far-fetched of an idea. Oh, no, it's not. Mad Max only sounded cool when Tupac was alive. <laughs> There was terrible. Where was that article? There was an article I saw, and it it was talking about. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, so a supernova that happened 2.6 million years ago is kind of pinned as being a cause of a, one of the great mass extinctions of the Earth. There's been like I think like six or seven mass extinctions of basically life being wiped out on Earth. Okay. And apparently, if like humans were alive during that time. They would have, I think it was like a 50% uh, increase in risk of cancer just from the radiation bombardment. Oh, wow. And I think the article mentioned something about how that was, yeah, megafauna, like the megalodon, like the giant shark. Apparently that that was attributed to them getting wiped out. Oh, wow. Was this huge, basically, radiation dump from a nearby exploding star. That's crazy. Do what? Yeah. Oh, an exploding star caused the extinction of a shark? Uh, yeah, among a bunch other species. Oh, oh, but okay, that, that's what they you. think got killed you, got off you. the megalodon. Got you, that, got you, got you, sorry. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. I was listening to another new podcast the other day, Sci-Fry, <laughs> Science Friday. Oh, Science Friday, yeah. Yeah. On NPR. Yeah, WNYC Studios produces it for the podcast. So I was checking that out the other day and they had mentioned something which kind of worked in conjunction with this other article that I found on Popular Science magazine. I think I sent it to you guys. I want to make sure that we talk about the hole in the bottom of the sea. Space station there. (laughs) What? (laughs) There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole at the bottom of the sea. Is there? There's a hole in the sea? It's it's, it's that song. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I was like, wait, what? There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole in the bottom of the sea. There's a hole, there's a hole, there's a hole in the bottom of the sea. While you look at that, Julie, can you speak? In the ISS? Basically, they found like a hole that was not... Like a man-made hole. Yeah, like a man-made hole. It wasn't like an accident. It was like somebody took a drill to the fuselage and just kind of drilled straight into it kind of thing. What I ended up hearing about that was that they figured out that that it was done before the unit was sent into space. They're saying that there was a potential for it to have happened. They think that it either happened before that or before it was... Because it's a piece that's removable during re-entry. Is that correct? I don't know. This was another one of those things that I actually had the article, and it's weird because it's gone, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and pause that. It says, August 29th, 2018, a small hole was discovered in the International Space Station. This resulted in a pressure leak recently, I guess not that recently, but probably recently publicized to us. Um, <laughs> they probably sat on that for a little bit. This article's from October, and they found a leak on this ISS, but... I guess the hole was discovered in August, so they didn't tell us until October, but it resulted in a pressure leak, and it has been identified and fixed by the space crew. But it says that they're not ruling out that it may have been a manufacturing defect. It says the conclusion does not necessarily mean the hole was created intentionally or with malintent. NASA and Roskomenos, yeah, that's hard to say, Russia people are both investigating the incident to determine the cause. 
ISS program is tentatively planning a spacewalk in November to gather more information about it. So this is December 24th, 2018, Moscow AP. A Russian cosmonaut who explored a mysterious hole in a capsule docked to the International Space Station said Monday that the opening was drilled from inside the spacecraft and Russian law enforcement agencies are investigating what caused it. Sergei... Fuck... Is this guy's name Prokopopi? What? We're going to call him Serge. So Serge said... I think it's Sergei Prokopopi. Oh, Sergei. There you go. Look at the big brains on you. Sergei... Prokopayev. Uh, I'm skipping that part. <laughs> <laughs> Sergei Prokopaya, if I'm pronouncing that right, which I'm pretty sure I'm not, said investigators were looking... The Russian dude. <laughs> we're looking at samples he and crewmate Oleg Koniko collected during a December 12th spacewalk. Two other astronauts returned to Earth last week from a 197-day space station mission. God, that's a long time to be up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hole in the Russian spacecraft attached to the station was spotted on August 30th. The crew discovered a leak that was creating a a slight loss of pressure and plug the hole with epoxy. JB Weld. <laughs> and gauze. They stuck a tampon in it. Yep. <laughs> Tampax was there. And it's also good for bullet wounds. <laughs> the astronaut said at the news conference the cavity start started from the ca- what? Yeah, you read that right. Oh, it doesn't sound right. Well, basically what they're saying is the hole didn't pose any danger. It did affect a pressure leak. They were able to plug it. And they said it wasn't going to affect the re-entry because it was jetsoned before the fiery re-entry into Earth's atmosphere. But they don't really know where it came about still. Yeah. I would think that before it left the planet, that would have been discovered. I would think that that's so highly... Well, sometimes these capsules, like the one that they're sending to the moon, it's essentially like a giant long rocket and inside of the giant lawn rocket, the Orion pops out. So, but when they break through the atmosphere and they're they're in this larger rocket, so it's like nesting dolls. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's like, yeah. I would imagine if... Layer upon layer. Yeah. So if the hole was in the inside nesting doll, then it didn't have a problem going in. Well, a significant impact. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably why it was overlooked. And then... Then when they started like monitoring the pressure, they were probably like, wait a minute, something's wrong. Yeah. Well, they said that the they're kind of offended that the idea that it happened after, but I just, I mean, just from like ISO and things like that that are in place, quality assurance things, I can't imagine. I saw a picture of the hole and it didn't look like something that could be ignored. These aren't huge structures, right? No, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> I mean, it's probably yeah, I mean- like the size of a California apartment, but... <laughs> Generally, they're very small places, yeah, because you, you're you basically trying to do a balance of, you know, having enough livable space for things to happen and also reducing weight, essentially. So they maximize what space they're given, but they try to keep things as small as possible while doing so. That makes sense. For sure. Popular Science also has an article about it. In Popular Science, it says that the Russia Soyuz capsule docked to the ISS, which had just brought three astronauts into the space station in June, the crew plugged the hole with epoxy and gauze, which effectively solved the leak, but everyone remained flummoxed as to how it got there in the first place. By all indications, the hole probably wasn't created by an impact with space junk or micrometeorites, which left open the possibility it was created by a human. Yeah. 
It says that the Russian cosmonaut Sergei and Oleg went on an eight-hour spacewalk to investigate the hole, cutting into the Soyuz capsule with knives and extracting a 10-inch sample to send back to Earth for study. Now, I have some new ne- new details about the investigation. It started from the interior, which doubles down on the notion that it had been created by a human, whether accidentally or on purpose. It's still possible the incident occurred in space. A Russian politician even suggested earlier that an astronaut may have created the hole in a rather outlandish effort to come home early. Still, the idea of an astronaut intentionally boring into the Soyuz capsule remains a far-fetched idea. It's extremely hard to drill holes in microgravity, and it's difficult to imagine an astronaut trudging through the close quarters of the ISS with a hand drill off the books, because everything that you touch and take, you have to log. And basically, every bit of your day is accounted for. Right. And this cosmonaut himself explicitly brushed off theories that the hole was made by astronauts aboard the ISS, saying, you shouldn't think so badly of our crew. I think that that's true, and yeah. they're hoping that that seed sets in. Didn't you say the last podcast these people were working for free, basically? Well, the way that the Russia, whatever their fucking version of NASA is, you know, it's a government agency, so they are, you know, essentially don't get paychecks, but their housing's paid for, their food's paid for, and the paychecks that they do get is essentially like incidental money. So if they don't get paid for weeks or months on end, which does tend to happen to them a lot. They're not that put off by it because they're still have a place to live. They still are getting fed. Whereas here during a government shutdown, our federal agencies don't get paid. But the problem here is they don't have free housing. They don't have free food. So they're not still getting benefits, you know, if they're not getting a paycheck. Like here, if you don't get a paycheck, you're out on the street because your landlord kicks you out because you didn't pay your rent. There, if you don't get a paycheck, it's okay because you're in government housing, so you can stay and not have to worry about paying your rent. Yeah, I'm going with those astronauts do this. They do this work for love, and you don't do work for love and then go fucking drill yeah. a hole. That makes no sense. Yeah, uh, referencing back to the uh, Houston Weibo podcast, you know, I can't remember her name, but she was on the a couple episodes ago, and they talked about, or she talked about how instantly they all bonded because they were all mm-hmm. in it to be space explorers, essentially. Like, they were from all over the world. Like, one was Russian, and I can't remember what the other one was. Yeah, that was the, there. you know, there's French astronauts, and uh, I believe it was NASA's historian who was mentioning that. I can't remember yeah. her name either. But yeah, that was the thing, is like, all these people, their goal is to work together, so they're not gonna... Yeah, and they're, you know, they're in it because they're passionate about this thing. Yeah, they all have that same commonality. Yeah, I personally don't think it, it was a astronaut thing. I think it was someone on the ground crew. Yeah, I would agree. That's cr- That's sad. That's sad. I mean... I can't yeah. drill a hole into the wall on a ladder without Tanya pushing on my back so I don't fall off the ladder. Could you imagine <laughs> trying to push like a drill through a space module with no gravity? Yeah, the like, effort. There's no way that crazy. would go unnoticed. I agree. Yeah, so either it was, it was intentional or it was just a crazy fucking person. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. But to hop back over to, we were talking about if a... A solar flare hit us, wiped out our, all our technology. You know how that would essentially have an effect on the agriculture because most of our stuff is processed in these giant systems of meat, right? Yeah. I found this article talking about biogenetically engineered meat. and Is it edible or is it like Fisher Price grocery cart shopping? Well, the... Mm. <laughs> 
extra crunchy. <laughs> right. It's pretty. The interesting thing, about 14.5% of our greenhouse gases come directly from the livestock industry. So back in 2013, they made the first lab-made beef, and the someone who tasted it said it tasted close to meat, but just not as juicy. So it's edible, and it tastes fairly yummy, but it just doesn't have that same exact taste to it. <laughs> you don't taste the fear. You, yeah, you don't <laughs> taste flesh and fear and death. <laughs> I can't taste death, I don't want it. <laughs> but what was interesting was that was in 2013, and it cost $330,000 to make it. But now, the Frankenburger, as they're calling it... Alive! It's alive! It's alive! Costs about $12 to make. So that's kind of where they're, what they're talking about is because our atmosphere is such a delicate balance of oxygen. And if we're admitting all this extra energy needlessly to feed us, and there's better ways to do that by creating genetically engineered beef that's kind of seems like a no-brainer as the way to go right what was interesting too was tofu requires further processing which means a lot more gas use than it would to generate these man-made meat patties (laughs) yeah i don't think tofu is the fucking bee's knees that's for (laughs) sure it would behoove people to eat this produced meat over tofu which i thought was interesting but well yeah because they're fucking pitching this shit (laughs) well yeah but it's just i guess better for the environment but that led to something else that i learned on the sci-fi podcast which actually opened up pandora's box it was like oh my god one thing after another as it usually is (laughs) the uh internet downward spiral or the golden rule we'll call it (laughs) (laughs) since that can go on for infinity wow this girl's like i am using my brain today (laughs) (laughs) but i didn't know this and i believe it was back in october i must have just skimmed right by this there's a scientist in china who claims to have created the first genetically modified babies, which is causing a huge uproar in the scientific community because of ethical reasons. Hold hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is this the same place that flushes babies? (laughs) I mean, if they're not good, I'm I'm sure. I mean, if, well, truth be told, if they're, if they're males, they'll keep them. That that was the problem because they had the population control thing where they, you can only have like two kids kind of thing. And if they had a, if they had a girl, they'd usually give up the girl because they wanted a boy to carry on the family name and all that bullshit. Right, which led to other problems. So cut to now we're gonna make them? Well, apparently in China, HIV is a huge problem, HIV and AIDS. And it says 501,000 people live with HIV, and that was in 2014. How could they be so advanced and and have that as a problem? Because the stigma behind HIV and AIDS is worse than flushing babies. (laughs) Right. Well, it's progression of knowledge and acceptance of the things that cause HIV are seriously lacking. They're a lot further behind than we are. So they have really high numbers of HIV. So this scientist's excuse was, I'm going to genetically modify these 
babies make it to where that they don't it have... It sounds like a loophole. What's, what's up with the structure of these hospitals? To make it so they don't have the susceptibility of HIV. So he essentially removed the genomes or whatever the fuck it is. That he removed the portion of your DNA that is susceptible to that. The problem being that there are ways to do that without genetically modifying yeah, them. Yeah, I would say so. And there have already been proven. And the problem with like genetically modifying babies is you don't know the endless repercussions of that, like what their children are going to be. I mean, I'm a lesbian, so I'm going to be okay, but whoever's procreating with these people, I'm not so sure yeah. about. It's right. slowly turning into Gattaca. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's totally, totally what it is. But what was interesting was article that came out January 4th, 2019 just a couple days ago they're genetically modifying livestock Hmm. so okay okay you got me you got me i'm eating the tofu burgers fuck that (laughs) (laughs) i'm out so a month and a half earlier so this is january so so in october they genetically modified or genetically edited they're calling it the fear right out of them the embryos. So cows have been implanted a month and a half earlier with embryos genetically edited to grow and to look like males regardless of their biological gender because male cows <laughs> out so well. produce more meat <laughs> naturally. So, <laughs> so um, beefy. surprising. So far, gene editing tools have already jump-started research worldwide and they've created more than they've created more than 300 pigs, cattle and sheep and goats. Oh so there's already 300 genetically edited animals out there. What was interesting was the benefits of the male cattle is that they also gain weight faster than females. It says that Gene-edited plants will soon be in grocery stores. They're already in grocery stores. Tomatoes are genetically modified yeah. with fish. With I was fish. Gonna say, well, those we've been doing that since the beginning of agriculture in a way. Yeah, like grafting. we've been uh, cultivating and breeding certain species of plants and animals to be beneficial to That's us. Fact, yeah. And it's just now we're we're getting down to the cellular level as opposed to just exactly artificial. Yeah. Yeah, but they're saying you know so that's that's acceptable, right? Because it's just plants. But tinkering with the DNA of animals is what they're concerned about because it has more of an uncertain future. So if they're doing, if they're concerned about this with animals, and this guy's doing it with babies, <laughs> that's fucked, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what led to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, sure, fuck it, let's just fuck. I mean, at least I can get a euphoric response out of that for like a fucking second. <laughs> Holy <laughs> they, shit. Going out with the bang. <laughs> right? What's going on? Both intentions. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting is, so this is kind of a problem, you know, the same problem that Elon Musk addressed with AI. We need to set forth all these rules and regulations about essentially the unknown before we even know what it could potentially lead to. So the FDA announced that in Late October, they're going to be issuing new guidelines to calibrate the risks and regulations of these types of products. 
they said that let's just back up for one fucking minute if we have the ability to do that they have the ability to at least at the most basic level control hiv in their hospitals there and it doesn't even sound like that's happening that something i mean that's a big those numbers are off those are off the chart numbers for a civilized nation yeah yeah and a lot of hiv can be prevented just merely through education but the stigma of the education of something of that nature, it's not in their culture. They haven't had their Ryan White moment yet. That's, I think, basically. Well, I mean, look how long our government sat on the HIV epidemic oh, exactly. before they really did anything. Oh, I know. It's changed the trajectory of this culture dramatically. Art and... Because it was only affecting the gay community. So like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> it's changed literature. It's changed any art, any medium of art, painting, photography. It's taken the sweetness out of our society for We're sure. We're a very open and progressive country compared to China in a lot of ways. So that, you know, that's a problem. They did a poll on biologically engineering animals and people said that they're less comfortable with eating a biologically engineered animal versus a biologically engineered plant, which I find, I mean, okay, I guess we're comparing apples to heartbeats, bovine, (laughs) but (laughs) it's not that much different, you know, and they already have a couple of things that they've been doing for essentially decades. They've been transferring genes between species in labs. They've repurposed a gene found in bacteria to reduce pigs' phosphorus pollution levels. And in the United States, there's a company called Aqua Advantage Salmon, which actually isn't being sold because of labeling requirements, but it's genetically modified salmon that is essentially okay to be consumed. So we have all these things sitting here. I feel so bad for for the people in China. (laughs) Right? Well, here's the interesting thing is this article about the meat. They speak of this. It's an acronym called the CRISPR, which is short for clustered, regulated, interspaced, short, palindromic repeats. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So that sounds nice and crunchy. Organ chips sounded tasty. This sounds like Mm. shit. Basically, this it's a cheap and easy way to make targeted cuts in the genome and make the changes and insert new genes instead of introducing it into the DNA so you can introduce it into the genome. But that's the same thing that this doctor in China used. And they basically said that they describe it. It is so easy that a high school student could do it. I was like, that's freaking scary. Like, I don't know if we should have something in our technology that easy. I know. You see one person smoking a fucking Tide Pod and they all start doing it. (laughs) Right? Oh, God, that was a thing. I forgot about that. (laughs) Thanks, 2018. Yeah, you really were the shittiest year. Yeah. What was interesting is the FDA declared that gene-edited animals aren't considered drugs but they contain a new animal drug. So this is like something that essentially is developing way faster than like anybody can think of any regulations for. Well, it's a good time to do it too because there's so much pollution in the news right now with everyone's insanity. Everybody's like, it's like a fucking free-for-all. Everybody's just trying to stay out of the fucking mosh pit. Yeah, That's true. And this scientist, he, the college that he works for, they're saying that he's been on unpaid leave. He went rogue. They're not trying to take any credit for it because, you know, he's 
in trouble with the scientific community. So the school doesn't want to go down as having broken these rules or anything of, of that nature. You know what I mean? So they're but like, the whoa, whoa, whoa. Gonna, whoever investigates this ultimately is going to be the winning party of this because they're going to be like, well, now we know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's one of those things. I know we basically have to start doing GMO essentially like on our plants and on our animals if we want to be sustainable and keep ourselves alive but at the same time we do yeah we do need a shit ton of regulation and really need to be careful what we're doing what we're introducing into our uh, ecosystem yeah because there's a lot of unknown variables but i i don't ever think like you know gmo is like inherently bad every time but you know it's one of those things we have to proceed with caution and it can and it can help us no it's true i mean bill nye changed his stance on gmo yeah in 2005 when I did a show called The Eyes of Nye, companies like Monsanto had patents on genes, and people were questioning whether or not that was ethical. And my concern was the ecosystem. He went from like being completely against it to, okay, I've learned more about it, and... Yeah, and that's how you should be, like a scientist. You follow the evidence. Yeah, I can see the importance of this. Well, it's like <laughs> you know? it's like the whole Earth catalog. It started off as basically John Mackey kind of philosophy, Whole Foods kind of philosophy to agreeing with we are going to have to inevitably do this. But it's the, it's the malice intent of some of these other undemocratic countries that is the most discouraging or yeah. when you start making more mono crops and things of that nature. You know, corn isn't necessarily bad. It's bad that it's a monocropped item. It's a monocropped item because of the, the bean counters. And that's when it starts spiraling out of control. So, what great tip do you have for me today? Don't let a man do your thinking for you. Public law 480. Now that's when the price of beans or any grain falls below a certain level and we give it away to starving countries, which lessens the supply and that brings the price back up again. Excuse me, is it true that soybeans could end world hunger? One handful per person per day could do just that. But there's no profit in giving food away. It isn't food there's a shortage of. It's money. If poor people had money, we'd be happy to feed them. But I just sent the whole Earth catalog. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Yeah, I'm reading over right now. I have to step away for one second. Thanks. In this interlude, enjoy this song. Strangers in the night, <laughs> exchanging glances, lovers at first sight. What were the chances? I'm gonna keep all of this. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. What is this whole Earth catalog? So whole Earth catalog was a kind of like a like a farmer's almanac thing it was like a flyer thing that used to get rotated around and it would educate people about organic foods and sustainable cropping and co-ops and things of that nature and it was kind of the basis of like i was saying earlier you know there's no way that john Mackey came up with whole foods and didn't know about this okay this actually says that steve jobs compared the whole earth catalog to the internet search engine google in june 2005 yeah it was extremely informative and they were really about keeping everything as natural and as organic as possible. And at some point, Stuart Brand began to realize that we'd advanced scientifically so much that basically we were left with no other alternative than to kind of reside to genetically modified foods. And not just because of our impact on the environment, but just natural things as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
just the needs of society. Right. Think of how many, not just human beings, but think of how many beings are on Earth that consume food. Well, you know, it's funny you were talking about like genetically modified meat. And the first thing my head went back to was there was a show called like Sequest out with like Jonathan Brandis or something like that. Oh, yeah. And they were like, it was like a apocalyptic thing that happened. They all had to move and live in, in the sea. Is that right, Tyler? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, basically there was like, a, we couldn't live on the surface anymore. So we went and lived underwater. And somebody had real hamburger meat and it was creating a huge fucking debacle under. It was like contraband to have it on there. And it was like this rare, it was like, you know, somebody having Colby beef or something like that. Nope. Here, I got these abalone. <laughs> 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 Who's thumping their mic? Somebody's tapping their finger or something. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's not me. It maybe, I farted. Maybe that was it. Maybe it just maybe <laughs> it was just shaking. If you could fart in that kind of I do hear it. That's weird. I've been working on my giggles, guys. I'm really good at it. Oh <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, it, it sounds like it's coming from beer, so I don't know what it is. It maybe it's just feedback. When Tanya was telling me about the coveted beef on Sequest here, I was like, oh, that reminds me of the Wolf 359 podcast, how they mm. like didn't have coffee and how they yeah. made like that weird seaweed kind of, like, it wasn't really anything resembling coffee, but it was the one thing that they could consume daily like a coffee. <laughs> you know, I was thinking yeah. to myself, why don't they have coffee? And then I was thinking, oh, they probably don't really want them to have any kind of stimulant whatsoever. Astronauts must be like straight edge. Astronauts are probably all straight yeah. edge. You probably wouldn't want them to have any kind of stimulant. Well, yeah, because caffeine is also a diuretic, so it makes you pee more and you become less hydrated. Don't have yeah. that much space for all that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a useless supply. Yeah, basically, it's going to make you pee more and you're going to have to drink more water to counterbalance it. So you're going to need more resources to consume a resource. What was interesting was this Houston, we have a podcast episode about Apollo 8, which oddly enough, there's a photo of the Earthrise photo, which was taken on the Apollo 8 mission in the whole Earth Wikipedia link mm. you sent. But <laughs> when they did the Apollo 8 mission, it was Christmas Day. And they said that, you know, the food was notoriously crappy on these early missions. I don't know if it, they can boast that it's really that much better now, but... I'm sure any improvement is appreciated. <laughs> they did send them up there with, like, turkey, cranberry, and... Yeah, they got, like, a turkey dinner with potatoes and, like... But they actually sent them with brandy, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they saved it. And, like, the guy who was commanding the mission was like, okay, we're not going to consume this because they knew that if anything went wrong, it would instantly be the thing that would be blamed so they all kept it and i guess one of the astronauts recently sold his online so they like actually legitimately never consumed it <laughs> what yeah. find that he sold it how much did he sell that for i bet it was amazing made a shit ton of money <laughs> he's retiring with that money now right shit. heritage auction items this was the only alcohol allowed on the Mercury, Gemini, or Apollo spacecraft. Because NASA's like, uh, no. <laughs> I can't believe they sent it. I mean, it, like if somebody ended up with like a toothache or something like that, I guess that would be... Well, they were trying to like help them. Their morale. Who was this guy's name? Yeah, John Lovell. John, John Lovett. Yeah. Going home and get alive a little pickle tickle. <laughs> In the Pacific Northwest, which is my territory, we have increased sales 106% in the last 12-month period. And this with a war on. <laughs> you know, if I had your job, 
I'd kill myself. But I don't know how much it's sold for. Yeah, let's see if it says. <laughs> Undisclosed amount. Oh, <laughs> balls! Does it really? I don't know. I just flashed back on the, um, speaking of the Houston Bay podcast, when Anne McLean, you know, she was on an interview and she talked about the first thing she was going to do was go to the observation room and that this picture of her going to the observation room is like the first thing she did when she got there. It's a really cool shot. Oh, Anne McLean was the astronaut who flown over a dozen different aircrafts, helicopters and planes and shit. Yeah. This image is super cool. It reminds me of the one of Peggy Winston in the observation deck on her last ISS mission. She was, was in, she was the main. She was one of the astronauts featured on One Strange Rock. They showed her up in the observation deck. It was really cool. Oh, nice. It was cool to hear about her yeah, parents cool. and now having seen some, some sci-fi movies here recently, it was interesting seeing the arrival and then watching this because I was like, oh, they must have taken from her story a little bit, you know. Inspired by real life events. Yeah, I don't, they list what this sold for. I think, Tyler, you are correct, an undisclosed amount. Yeah, sometimes when it's something like that, they just don't say how much it was because it was like done in private kind but of thing. But it's kind of cool because you see the bottle, it's still sealed in the... In the package, and, and yep. the images show, like, a letter of authenticity. So, that's kind of cool. So, get your brandy out, kids. It's going to be a rough 2019. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> I was wondering, did you beat your Red Dead game yet? I'm on the very last chapter. Okay. And uh, I actually took a break because uh, chapter six, the you guys, you, know, you don't care about spoilers. You probably no. play it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the main, the, the main, the main story is kind of cool because you follow this guy named Arthur Morgan, and it takes place in 1899, and he's kind of an outlaw, and the outlaws are getting pushed out by the Pinkertons and the federal government, and being hunted down and killed essentially. Okay. And Instead of like this great heroic like last stand, I'm gonna die kind of thing, he he gets uh, tuberculosis. <laughs> so basically, like the last couple chapters of him, you're playing as him. He's got TB and he's just slowly dying, and you're becoming weaker. Your character, you're losing your health stats constantly. You're it's 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 cool because it's like oh like I'm actually dying. So like he's just shitty at everything, everything and he's <laughs> falling apart but he's he's trying like his whole mission is like he's been a terrible person so he's trying to get this family that's in the gang like this this mother this father and this kid and he's trying to get them out of the gang he's so they can go holiday. live a life that isn't a life of crime kind of oh, thing okay. and that's basically that's yeah it's, it, the, the whole title you know red dead redemption like he's dying he's trying to redeem himself because he's been a murderer this whole life and he's trying to do some good before some he good. bows out and it basically just ends with him like dying on a mountainside alone. It's like it's like a city of angels, and you're like, "What the fuck just happened? Did Nick Ryan just get hit by a fucking car?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My brother was playing it, and he was like, "I just, I don't know if he finished the chapter. Or the, it must have just been the same point because that's what he said. He was like, he died, and I cried." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was one of those like cause so it sucks because like I, I had I had the same horse the whole game, and then your horse dies in the last mission, and then the main character dies in the last mission, and it sucks because you can develop a bond with your horse, and your horse gets better and stuff like that. And if you have like the ultimate bond, like there's this a, is depressing. Yeah, it, that's why I, I don't I didn't play for ten days after this because I was like, <laughs> fuck, that was I I cried like it was rough. First, that was actually kind of cool. Okay, that's 
depressing as shit though the first red dead redemption was like one of my favorite games ever and this one was like even far superior to that it's just really good storytelling really good gameplay and it just yeah so there's more to there's way more to it that's that's actually kind of cool it's one of those games like i'd make an argument that video games can be art there's a lot of stupid fucking video games out there but also the same side there's a lot of stupid fucking movies but occasionally (laughs) you see ones that are just like holy shit do you like it's worth it it's a story you know it's a it's a wonderful well-crafted story but they worked on it for like eight years so <laughs> yeah right so it better be good after that yeah <laughs> well i'm gonna end on that high note that oh, was yeah. awesome thank you well you both have a nice day i'm gonna go get some food and then i'm gonna play kill some imaginary animals and monsters and D. <laughs> just remember those animals they could be genetically modified <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it broke up for a second they're like just remember and then it got steak. quiet <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> just remember what, wait, wait, what am I supposed to remember what am I supposed to remember what the fuck <laughs> thank you for listening to this month's episode of Tripace Pod look forward to hearing our voices in your ear holes once again at the beginning of next month don't forget to like and subscribe to Tripace Pod on iTunes Google Play or SoundCloud because it stimulates dopamine production in our brains every time you do you can creep on us from afar at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at TriPacePod. And of course, check out show notes, contact information, and buy merch at TriPacePod.com. And as always, you're awesome. Yep. I get my nerd on and I, I just get all the excited and I can't contain myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. One, two, three, four, five, six.